You're listening to Ready to Real Estate, a TREB podcast. Hear stories, uncover insights, and tune into interviews on key issues that impact realtors and all of us. Join us as we discover how people, properties, and communities all come together to build the future of real estate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Real Estate. I'm your host, Jason Mercer. I'm TREB's Chief Market Analyst, and joining me today as co-host is TREB President Kevin Krager. On today's episode, we're talking about transit-oriented communities, or TOCs, and in this regard, we're glad to have the Honourable Stan Cho, Associate Minister of Transportation and Member of Provincial Parliament for Willowdale, joining us today. TOCs are his focus as the recently appointed Associate Minister of Transportation. Minister Cho is also a former TREB member who spent over 20 years in real estate before being elected as MPP to the Willowdale riding in 2018. Minister, we're so excited to have you here today to discuss your new portfolio. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. So before we get into the details of TOC, and I, I think we'll be able to expand that conversation to discuss you know, housing supply and, and, and transit more broadly in the, in the GTA, I, I wanted our listeners to get a, a better sense of, of your background and, and particularly your transition from a successful career as a realtor to, to public office. What, uh, what inspired you to take that leap? Wow. Uh, so great question, Jason. I mean, I don't want to take a half an hour to explain that, but you know, there were a number of considerations, not least of which was what was happening in our industry at the time. And, uh, you know, I was in sales for many years and I, and I took over the family brokerage. We had a couple hundred agents, uh, you know, throughout uh, four offices in the greater Toronto area. Uh, but really, you know, there was some housing policy being made at the time of governments passed that, uh, you know, I, I thought was going to hurt the industry in a big way, hurt housing affordability and accessibility for a growing population that the people listening understand has been writing has been on the wall for many decades when it comes to, to the issues we're seeing with affordability. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I complained a lot. I would complain to my, my, my agents, I would complain to my family, and there was a point where somebody challenged me to, and said, well, put your money where your mouth is, and, and I thought that was exactly the right sentiment. I've been blessed in this life, you know, my parents are immigrants to this country and were able to employ 200 people by the time they retired, and that Canadian dream includes the dream of home ownership, and, and so I did put my money where my mouth was and said that if we're going to have good housing policy, it's going to take some efforts and sacrifices for people in the industry to put their name forward for public office. And, and that was uh, one of the main reasons I decided to run back in 2017. I think that's a really interesting story. And, you know, thinking back to 2015, 2016, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, supply and different policy measures that could, um, you know, make this housing market, you know, more accessible and, and more affordable over the long term. And that certainly spanned, you know, more than more than one government and, and, and more than one term in, in that regard. And, and, you know, thinking about that this year in June, you assumed the portfolio of, of Associate Minister of Transportation for the GTA. And, and, you know, I think one of your key focuses, as I understand it, is, is looking at, you know, the development of, of transit-oriented communities. And, and to me, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we're talking about, you know, billions of dollars in investment in, in, in transit infrastructure throughout the, the greater golden horseshoe. And, and on the other hand, you know, we're talking about uh, a, a systemic, 
uh, supply crunch in the in the GTA, whether you're talking about you know rental housing or ownership housing. And I think there's a lot of uh, of synergies between the two, especially when we're thinking about you know increasing the 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 diversity of housing supply as well. Getting to that you know that we heard the buzzword missing middle or mid density housing, sort of bringing on more housing types at the same time. So you know in 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 your mind, what are the opportunities that exist um, as we sort of mesh? Uh, transit-oriented communities and their development around station areas and what have you and that broader housing supply debate? Yeah, Jason, that's a great question. This, this, is, this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity we have with TOCs or transit-oriented communities. And, and this is really transformational stuff we're talking about here. Uh, you know, imagine with me the planning that went in place in the 50s, in the 1950s when they were building Toronto. And, and you have a, a major transit line down the Danforth. Uh, and to in fairness to the people planning our city at the time, they didn't know that, you know, Toronto would have the population and the GTA would have the population that we have today and the growth that is to come. I, I you know, gotta remind your, your viewers here, a million more people are moving to Toronto in the next 25 years, 3 million right. greater Toronto area. That means the GTA is gonna be 10 million by 2046. Uh, so we have an opportunity now not to repeat the mistakes of the past. Uh, the Danforth has two story mixed use down an entire major transit line. Well, what if we could change that? What if instead we said, Let's build around our transit hubs. Let's create these 20 minute neighborhoods. And this is, this is what the people of these communities also want. Imagine uh, you, you live at uh, East Harbor Station along the Ontario line. You come down from your condo, you drop your son off at a daycare. You go a couple blocks down to your office, not far at all. You have lunch with your coworkers at a brew pub. You pick your kid up from, from daycare. You play in the park before you go upstairs. On the weekend, you're four stops away from the Eaton Center and all the recreation and leisure. You're connected to the grid. You're directly connected to Pearson International. I mean, this is the quality of life that we're saying. We're challenging ourselves to say, well, it's not just about building transit to get from point A to point B, but what if we could bring point A and B into the same place, take cars off the road, increase ridership, it's good for the environment. And these 20 minute neighborhoods are what we are hearing from communities across Toronto that they want to live in. And so we have this opportunity now to do something that hasn't been done very well around the entire world. And, and Ontario will be a leader here. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And, you know, as, as an urban planner by education and, and also practicing for, for a number of years as well, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, certainly, you know, 20 years ago, talking about transit-oriented communities and, and what have you, it made a lot of sense back then. But even now, it makes a, a heck of a lot more sense when, when, we're, when we're experiencing the, the housing supply crunch that we are right now. And especially, you know, you're right, looking down the barrel of, you know, increased immigration over the next few years and people looking to take advantage of the cultural and economic diversity that our region offers, but they're all going to require a place to live, whether they're renting or owning. Um, and if we can, you know, have them working close to home and not see as much, you know, congestion and what have you on, on, on various transportation opportunities, that's important. But I, I want to bring in uh, Kevin Krigger, Treb's president for, for this year. And, and Kevin's no stranger to the housing supply file. In fact, he's put it on his shoulders over the last few months already and, and has been you know, meeting with policymakers and, 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 and taking part in, in, in public consultations. And so I'll turn it over to Kevin because I think he has some questions to ask as well. well. Thanks so much, Jason. In 2020, Treb took part in a stakeholder roundtable hosted by your predecessor, uh, Minister Kinga Surma, and Housing Minister Steve Clark. Uh, we also brought in Ontario TOC Program Director Rob Krauss to talk to the Trev Government Relations Committee. 
how can the Trev community of realtors continue to support you on this file? Kevin, I, I really love that question because there's a lot that Treb and your members can do. And, and just before I continue, let me say to you, I Jason's right, I, I was a Treb member for a very long time and being in cabinet, I'm not allowed to be anymore. I miss it very much. Uh, please to your members, I miss the market report, get in there, see the statistics, because what we need you to do, number one, is to keep making those evidence-based decisions. And I know uh, that realtors are great at this, uh, but that's why your, your opinions are so valued, because it's not just based on a back of a napkin, it's based on an evidence, evidence data, market data. Uh, and Jason, you know that I'm a big fan of your market report. I used to watch <laughs> all the time. Uh, so that's one, just keep doing what you're doing. Number two, uh, and this is my big ask of, of your members is, you know, I, I know there's been some great advocacy done to all levers, levels of government across party lines um, to, to say what's actually driving the housing uh, affordability crisis that we have here. In fact, it's more of an accessibility crisis. And, and that is the supply demand issue. That's the root of the problem. And we yes, it's important to address some of the symptoms that come as a result of that, that root of the supply demand imbalance. Uh, but our, the majority focus for all elected officials at all levels of government needs to be addressing the root of the problem. We can't continue to make policy going after simply symptoms and expect this, this larger problem to go away. So my ask directly of, of all TREB members and of all organizations uh, in real estate is not just to, 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 to advocate to the government of the day, but advocate to the opposition parties advocate to every party, to every single level of government, anyone who's even thinking about running for public office, that these are the drivers that are making the housing market what it is today, whether that's in the rental side or the purchasing side, and that we all have a role to play in keeping that dream of home ownership alive. I truly believe that we can save that dream if we work together. I think that's a really nice segue to the next question I had, because, you know, obviously, you know, transit oriented development, you know, is extremely important given, you know, all the infrastructure investment and the diversity of transit opportunities that we're going to see unfold over the next decade, um, while the population continues to grow. Uh, but at the same time, obviously, um, you know, I'm sure there are other synergies that, that can be found between, you know, GTA transit policies and, and housing and particularly as it relates to, you know, bringing on more supply. Um, so, so, you know, what other, I guess, initiatives uh, are, are you and, and, and your government looking at in that regard? I love that question, Jason, and I'll get to sort of the, the other opportunities and synergies we're looking at uh, in a second, but there's also another benefit here, uh, you know, and I'm just going to use one community in particular, we've been having consult consultations with many uh, throughout the GTA, but, you know, there's a site along the Ontario line, which is the sort of downtown relief line that we're building called Corktown. Corktown, if, if you know where that is today, currently has a vacant parking lot, a car wash and a car dealership on site. Uh, no housing, it's very much an urban sort of gray desert. Well, underneath uh, that car wash happens to sit uh, Canada's very first parliament. Now, I say Canada because Upper Canada, of course, uh, formed before our, our, our nation did in 1867. So you have this incredibly historic site that is meaningful to, to our country, uh, buried under, under concrete, under pavement. And, and, and that's a shame. So there's an opportunity here, not just to celebrate our heritage, not just to create green space, not just to build a transit hub, 
but to also build thousands of housing units in a desirable neighborhood on top of what is very much an urban uh, desert, a wasteland at this time. And so this is what I mean by sometimes being better late uh, to the game. We have an opportunity to, to really not just deliver on the housing supply end, but a better quality of life and celebrating our history and our heritage. And that's a synergy I think that comes uh, when you're looking at, at this sort of a massive investment that our government is making. What are the other sort of uh, synergies that I see out there? Well. Uh, let's remember that there are people who don't love the uh, urban lifestyle as much as others do. Now, there are some young families who, who love their, their condos or two bedroom condos and that sort of lifestyle, but there are others who have chosen to commute into their workplace and, and that have moved outside of the GTA. And that's great. That's why our government is putting this priority on not just expanding uh, the, the subway lines through our four priority projects, but also expanding the GO network. And we are connecting the grid across Southwestern Ontario. You heard about our recent pilots uh, uh, with uh, GO rail service uh, to London, Ontario. This is gonna go through Stratford. Uh, there's a lot of people who live out there. So the synergies I see is to look towards the GO network as well to see, is there an opportunity to look at building around transit hubs, and again, with an eye to the future of population growth, uh, you know, and data-driven decisions, to look outside of the GTA, because that growth is naturally going to spill out of the GTA, as we've seen evidenced over the past few decades. So that's just one example. Yeah, I think that's really interesting, and thinking about the, you know, the the, the first parliament and and uh, example, and and how that sort of spans, you know, different levels of government and and, and different uh, even you know ministries within. And I know you know Kevin and I have often talked about the the need for for, for collaboration. I want to turn it back to Kevin because you know we were just talking about you know your different roles that, that you've taken on, you know, as you, uh, um, you know, as, as you got into politics and that, and then, you know, I think that provides a, a unique point of view. So, so back to you, Kevin. Thanks so much. I wanted to go back in time for a moment to your previous roles in the Ontario government, uh, both as parliamentary assistant to the Minister of Finance and to the President of the Treasury Board. How does the finance wing of the government view the housing market, specifically from the perspective of economic development and economic risk? Kevin, I, I'm the I'm the luckiest uh, rookie MVP out there because you know in in just over three years, I got I've I've gotten to see what a lot of elected officials don't get to see over you know decades and decades long career, and that's how complex government money works. Uh, you know, being able to learn under our, our now Minister of Finance Peter Bethenfalvy as his uh, parliamentary assistant and Treasury Board taught me how complex government. Uh, money is uh, in reality and my time at the Ministry of Finance taught me how revenue generation works and how money is given to the, the line ministries here in Ontario and how that money is spent in our broader public sector and you know that gives me great preparation because understanding how government money works uh, is very relevant when it comes to saying here are some programs or priorities we're investing in. Uh, government, you, you, your viewers may be shocked by this, it doesn't move as quickly as the private sector. I know. <laughs> uh, but understanding the sort of reality, the nature of the beast, if you will, when it comes to government money, helps you to be able to create economic development policies that make the most sense and give you the best efficiency out there. And I don't want to get sidetracked here by going into the details on how that government finance works or how we can move, move, do better. We are working on various things to move quicker, but that means that when you're investing into economic development uh, policy, uh, 
let's skip right to the outcomes. Let's look at that sort of outcome and work backwards. And, and it's uniquely positioned us to be able to make the policy that is best able to sidestep red tape and, and duplication and some of those other things, multiple windows uh, for service. Uh, you know, the Ontario Small Business Support Grant Program, uh, while not perfect, certainly tried to avoid some of those pitfalls. And, and so that's what I mean. Um, we have more to do, uh, but we, we are well positioned to be able to do that. And my, my background uh, helps me to get to that place a little bit faster. Fantastic. And knowing what you know about the interplay between these sections of government, how tightly linked are housing policy decisions and decisions related to transit infrastructure, particularly in the GTA? That's a fantastic question. And, uh, you know, look, Peter Bevenfall used to joke uh, about this all the time, and I'm going to steal his line, uh, that government ministries are just siloed uh, between each other. They're titanium, uh, concrete, reinforced silos. And that sadly uh, uh, still remains somewhat true. Now, while we are working to break down those silos, uh, you know that means while we are doing that, that that sort of more transformational work, we have to work around the limitations that exist. And the limitations mean uh, that working cross ministerially is a huge priority. So, in in, in for example, the the, the transit-oriented community file that involves transportation, that involves infrastructure, and that involves the Ministry of Housing. Um, you have to be tied at the hip when you're making these, these policy decisions and moving as quickly as we are. Uh, that means having regular contact the old-fashioned way with the ministers, uh, you know, ministers uh, Surma and ministers Clark, as we are, also at the staff level, uh, between not just our government, but all levels of government. So we are in regular conversations with Mayor Tory's office uh, and our federal counterparts, uh, because we are trying to do something big very quickly in a system that is perhaps, you know, historically been quite hard to work between to move fast. So it's possible. Uh, and that means having regular communication and, and, and then of course speed bumps along the way. But I think when you're moving mountains, uh, we, we are doing the right thing and heading to the right place. I think that's really interesting. And I know in, in, in a lot of our market releases that we've put out over the last few months, I mean, one of the things that we've really honed in on is, is, is the fact that, you know, there's not one level of government, there's not one ministry within government that can, you know, affect change on the, on the housing supply file, or even, you know, the, 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 the transit file. And, and as if it wasn't hard enough, I mean, you know, bringing on transit, bringing on more housing supply, dealing with, you know, intergovernmental silos and, and everything else, as if that wasn't hard enough, you know, you've been having to do this through the lens of COVID-19 over, you know, getting on the last couple of years um, as well. So maybe give us a sense. I mean, you know, when we hear stats like the, the TTC is running at 45% of, of, of pre-pandemic levels and, and, and what have you, give us a sense how, you know, that, that pandemic dynamic has uh, has sort of changed the 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 narrative, if you will, when we're thinking about you know transit and and uh, and 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 housing and the like. Yeah, that's an insightful question, Jason. And and really, uh, you know, I'll I'll get to transit in a little bit. But I remember you know 19 months ago when we were first having these these conversations about what what is COVID 19, how is this going to affect? And as we moved through the first few months, and you saw the mass exodus. Uh, I'll just use the rental market for example in downtown. Sure. Um, 
people were saying this is permanent that's it you know sell all your condos we're, we're never going to see the the multiple offers on rentals and c1 ever again and and we know now based on on your market statistics that's completely false and, and that the the rental market is back with a vengeance in your desirable areas in downtown toronto and and many experts knew that was coming i mean the caution there was let's not be too recency biased in, in how we think and how we form policy let's be measured in, in our approach and and the pandemic continually forced us to be able to do that to to be looking at route around the world for jurisdictions that were ahead of us to say, ah, this is probably how it's going to progress here in Ontario as well. Uh, so that's one point. It forced us to, to really not uh, overreact, uh, but at the same time, understand the situation we were in. The second thing it did was it made us move a lot faster than government was used to. And, and it, it's out of our comfort zone. There's no question. Bureaucracy is big. And I speak for for, for not just Ontario, for, for many governments around the world. Uh, it's a challenge to be able to move and get dollars out the door, relief uh, out there faster. Um, there's a procurement system here in Ontario that, that was really crippling the way that we were able to get uh, products, uh, PPE in particular, to the front lines, and that that forces us to challenge everything. They force us to have fewer windows for service, um, you know. And these are good changes that I believe uh, will last here in the government and and will lead to better outcomes. Uh, to getting back to transit, though, uh, Jason, and the reason I bring those those two up is that yeah, it's important that we weren't recency biased when we look at the statistic. Yeah, ridership is still down. There's no question about it. I take the TTC twice a week just to keep an anecdotal view on things. Uh, but you will see as we move through uh, COVID-19 and it will be behind us one day that, that ridership will return. Ridership will uh, return to a level that we haven't seen before. There's no question about it. Those investments, therefore, and not just to the Toronto area when it comes to transit, but around uh, the Greater Golden Horseshoe are imperative today. Uh, and so, you know, those investments are going to continue. Uh, and that's why we're trying to achieve value in different ways. The TOC program and, and expanding around the GO network is a way to achieve that value while delivering on good outcomes in terms of the housing market as well. Transit and housing go hand in hand. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. And, and I really like the term you use recency bias, because I mean, it, you know, it, it has been a struggle sort of thinking about, you know, what that sort of post pandemic uh, uh, situation is going to look like, uh, you know, thinking about transit, thinking about housing, because, you know, on the one side of the coin, for example, you have people saying, well, look at, uh, uh, we move further out, uh, we were, we're embracing uh, uh, the concept of, 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 of working from home, yet on the other side, you know, and, and you talked about economic development um, earlier on the other side of that coin, you know, we're thinking about, well, what's going to happen in the downtown core in terms of those businesses that were, you know, office serving, office workers serving and, and, and what have you, all that ancillary employment, all that ancillary positive economic impact that, you know, now is, is certainly much lower than what we had seen, um, you know, in, in the months leading up to the, uh, the, the, the pandemic. So, you know, in, in terms of the different ministries that, that you're working with on a, on, on a daily basis, sort of how do you square those two sort of concepts? <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, yeah, I feel like you're a fly on the wall sometimes. Uh, the treasury, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's uh, a lot of a lot of work to be done still moving through this. I mean, um, we have a fall economic statement coming up uh, just in a few short months, and I know that document is being worked on at the Ministry of Finance as we speak, and and and, and it's very much going to lay a blueprint uh, moving into our budget next year about the economic recovery piece. Let's remember that as we're moving through COVID-19 and we're seeing signs of it already, 
it's not going to just be, you know, Toronto versus Ottawa. It's not going to be Ontario versus Quebec or Pennsylvania. It, it, we will be competing for things like labor, uh, natural resources, uh, you know, human capital against the world. This very much going to be, and you're seeing it, programs in Kentucky, programs in Europe, programs in Asia, trying to get job creators to root uh, where they are. And so, you know, the cross-ministerial focus here in Ontario, it, it, it's, it's massive at the moment. Uh, tourism, uh, one of the hardest hit sectors uh, out there, one of the last that will recover uh, out of this pandemic, uh, is a huge economic driver in Ontario, but you're seeing signs of competing jurisdictions investing heavily into these areas. So that means that we have to tie in those, those future needs of tourism with perhaps tax changes, with perhaps housing initiatives, with transit initiatives, with you know making sure that we have the right economic development policies, not just, and, and the metric here, Jason, cannot be recovery, it must be prosperity. And so there's some heavy lifting going on behind the scenes now. All 21 line ministries are at the table working on that. And finance has a, a monumental task in putting these priorities together in conjunction with the premier's office uh, as we move through this. But I think we're up for the challenge and I think we're going to be better than, uh, I mean, you will see Ontario return to being the economic engine of, of this country. And dare I say North America very soon. Yeah, I totally agree. And when you're thinking about the provision of transit and the provision of housing, I mean, that's a key underpinning factor when you talk about economic development because you, you want people to move here you want businesses to move here but they need a place to live uh they also you know need a way to to get around and on that note i mean i know uh, uh kevin and i have, have also taken part in in in, in commercial sessions uh, um, with our members and, and and particularly you know thinking about the the office market and so my sense is that uh you know kevin has some questions around you know uh, um the 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 office sector and what that might look like you know moving forward as well yeah, I wanted your thoughts about the zoning implications for repurposing office buildings altogether. So I really, I really love that uh, idea, Kevin. I mean, look, we'll mention recency bias again. I, I believe it was false back then, and you're seeing evidence of today when people said, "Yeah, downtown Toronto is going to be ghost towns in these commercial buildings, and first Canadian place is going to have an eighty percent vacancy rate." Totally false. In fact, it's the opposite. Right? And we're seeing all those numbers come back, and I believe there there will be a day where where the, the path is is a hub of activity once again uh, very soon. So anything creative, um, I, I really like those ideas. I, I want. I think that there is an opportunity uh, here to to look towards the future uh, and see where these trends go. And, and you're going to be very valuable partners in this because you have data and you put out these very valuable uh, market reports that, that, it, that should inform uh, policy decision. Uh, absolutely looking to look at something outside of the box. I mean, I've been approached by all sorts of creative ideas and the time to, 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 to think outside that box and, ch and challenge the status quo is right now. And so I'm, uh, you know, Kevin, it's something that I'm open to, we, you know, if, if you have any specifics that you, you think might help uh, the commercial market, uh, please contact our office. Because like I said, these decisions will best be made, not by politicians, but by people like you. Thank you. That's great. And, and, and Minister Cho, I, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us today. I mean, to talk about, you know, two, you know, key issues, you know, that were that were obviously front and center before we went into the pandemic. And I think we'll even be more so as we're thinking about, you know, economic development uh, in, in, in a post-pandemic world. And, you know, thinking back to, to 2015 and 2016, I mean, it, it was it was difficult to, to have the conversation, have the debate, and especially linking together those concepts about, you know, uh, uh, transportation policy 
policy and, and the need for, for a sustained supply uh, of, of housing. So I think it's great, number one, uh, that, that your government is, is, is looking at these issues, and number two, that you're taking that uh, cooperative approach dealing with the other levels of government um, at, the, at the same time. So thank you again for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Jason. And I have to say it because you mentioned 2015 and 2016. You said it in one of your market reports. It's the first time uh, Toronto hit an average price in the detached market of a million dollars. It was right around then. Uh, and you called it. You said this is the tip of the iceberg that uh, the market was showing, the data was showing that we're going to keep going. And, and I don't know what the average uh, detached home price is now in Toronto, but it's a heck of a lot higher than a million bucks. Uh, and so, you know, we need to work together and I appreciate you having me. I had a lot of fun. I could probably keep going for another half an hour, but I'm, my staff's already giving me the, uh, we're done. <laughs> no, look, at it. it was great having you on. And I also want to uh, thank Kevin Krager, Trev's president for, for co-hosting uh, uh, today's podcast as well. Thank you. So please don't miss uh, an episode. Subscribe to Treb's Ready to Real Estate podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us today and we'll see you next time. That's it for us. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media and visit our website, treb.ca. That's T-R-R-E-B to find market insights and more. This has been another episode of Ready to Real Estate, and thank you for tuning in.